Welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. I'm your lead investigator on this case, Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Every episode is an investigation where you and I explore true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. We discuss the cases, share information, no chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. Now, grab your crime scene kit, a notebook, and your favorite hat. This is Best True Crime Podcast. The dates are 1993 to 2009. The place is Europe. Your assignment is to investigate and help identify a mysterious serial killer, the Phantom of Heilbronn. This is part one of two. She was a strange serial killer. A German newspaper wrote she was the most mysterious serial crime of the past century. This serial killer was dubbed the Phantom of Heilbronn and the woman without a face. And the only clue she left behind was on a cotton swab. It began with the horrific crime of a rookie cop. It ended with, well, let's just start on April 25th, 2007, just like the police did. On April 25th, 2007, rookie cop from Heilbronn, Michelle Kaisfeder and her partner Martin Arnold are taking a break, sitting in their patrol car. It was a sunny day, just after about 2 o'clock p.m., and the vehicle windows were down because Michelle was smoking a cigarette. They were 22 and 24 years old, respectively. And out of nowhere, they are ambushed from behind with shots to the head. Michelle dies instantly. The killer steals Kaisfeder's service weapon, an HKP-2000, and some ammo. Martin is placed in an induced coma, and when he awakens, he will not remember anything. The only piece of evidence is a trace of DNA on the patrol vehicle's center console. Witnesses say they saw a man fleeing the scene. Heilbronn police were, of course, ready to spend 24-7 to catch this killer. Someone had murdered one of their own and put another officer in a coma. Martin was even lucky to be alive. Heilbronn police are going to clock in 16,000 hours of overtime, spend millions of euros in expenses, and they're going to pour everything they have into this case. Forensic medicine at the Medical University of Innsbruck Analysis were able to extract a full DNA profile from that swab. That little sample clinging to that cotton swab told the analysis the criminal was a female. Their suspect was Eastern European, perhaps Russian. And once the investigation began, law enforcement officers were amazed to discover the person who shot those officers. Well, this was not the first time this suspect had committed a crime. The same woman who had killed the rookie and tried to murder her partner had left DNA on a murder crime scene on May 26, 1993. This 1993 murder was a horrifically sad case where 62-year-old Lisa Lett Schlenger in Germany should have been living her golden years. And instead, 
the poor woman had been strangled to death with wire that Lisalette used for her flower arrangements. It was a brutal murder. Crime scene investigators processed the scene as they were trained, and one of the swabs taken was from a teacup. A cotton swab was used as the norm, placed in a vial, sealed, and labeled. The media would eventually dub this serial killer the Phantom of Heilbronn, and the crime spree was called the most mysterious serial crime in the past century. A Heilbronn Police Department special task force was created to track down this Phantom of Heilbronn, and the task force was called Parkplatz, or Parking Lot. Two years after the murder of Heilbronn cop Michelle Kaisvetter, the case was still cold, so the reward for information on the Phantom was increased to 300,000 euros. As they continued this investigation, investigators discovered that the Phantom's DNA was found in samples collected at the sites of or on evidence related to these crimes. In 2001, the Phantom had been busy. There was the murder of 61-year-old Joseph Walsenbach on March 21st. Joseph had been beaten and strangled. The Phantom's DNA was found on a kitchen drawer. This was another brutal, brutal murder. That October in 2001, investigators swabbed a syringe containing heroin, a syringe that a child had accidentally stepped on. The Phantom's DNA had appeared on that syringe. That next month, the Phantom's DNA was lifted on a swab from a cookie in a burglary in Germany. In 2004, in Arbois, France, the woman without a face had accompanied four vicious robbers who attacked Vietnamese gemstone traders. She had used a fake gun in this attack. She left the gun behind. It was swabbed, her DNA was identified, and she racked up another crime on her growing rap sheet. That next year, two brothers had fought in a bar on May 6, and the DNA was found on a projectile from the Phantom. DNA solved another crime in October 2006. The Phantom had used a rock to smash a window of a building. In March 2007, there was a burglary at an optometrist store in Upper Austria. A swab was taken and the Phantom's DNA was discovered. Besides murder and burglary, it seemed the Phantom was dipping her toes in other illegal waters because she was connected to 20 burglaries and theft of cars and motorbikes between 2003 and 2007 in two German cities, Austria and Upper Austria. Now, most serial killers troll a certain geographical area, such as a neighborhood, but this serial killer was trolling across several countries. 2008, some officers began suspecting the DNA presence was misleading. They discussed possible contamination of the crime scenes or the swabs. It just didn't make sense. The Phantom of Heilbronn just did not break every serial killer's stereotype. She busted them down. Because, well, let's just look over some notes. A few accomplices of some of the crimes had been arrested, and none of them admitted to ever working with a female. The Phantom's DNA did not match any database, no matter how it was ran through. 
DNA was the sole evidence left at crime scenes. No prints, no fibers, no hair, nine, 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 nothing else. The Phantom had no victim preference. Her crime victims included Slavics, Albanians, Serbs, Romanians. There was just no set victim preference, male, female. She roamed through several countries. She had been tracked in Germany, Austria, Belgium, Italy, and France. Here are a few. A vehicle used to transport three dead men killed in January in Germany. Two men would be later arrested, but the DNA on the vehicle that were attributed to the Phantom, it remained unsolved. A nighttime burglary in March in Germany at a closed public swimming pool, DNA from the Phantom showed up at that crime scene. There were four home invasions in three different German cities, March through April in 2008. DNA from the Phantom showed up at all four home invasions. In April, there was a nighttime burglary. Phantom's DNA showed up there. And the DNA proved that the Phantom robbed a cleaning lady, beating her severely in May of 2008. There was an October murder of an auxiliary nurse. Feasibly, investigators had come upon a novel idea back in 2008. The DNA presence was misleading. They had discussed possible contamination of the crime scene or even of the swabs. Maybe it wasn't the DNA, but the way it was being collected? Nonsense, the devil's advocates argued. Cotton swabs are sterilized before being used to collect DNA samples. Sterilization removes viruses, bacteria, fungi. There was no way contamination could have occurred. But in 2009, investigators got their break. It was not what they hoped. We're going to continue with our investigation of the Phantom of Heilbronn in the next podcast. So be sure to join us as we discover the answer. Who is the Phantom of Heilbronn? And how did she get away with all these crimes for all these years? Please join us as we solve the case in the next podcast. We need you to be here to help wrap this up. It's the Phantom of Heilbronn, part two of two, in the next podcast. Hey listeners, my name is Judith Yates, true crime author and criminologist, and I have taught common sense self-defense for over 25 years. I have finally put all of these classes together in a book that's called How to Recognize the Devil because I believe devils walk among us every day. And we can recognize these devils and escape crime if we know how. We can teach it to our children, to our elderly, and special interest groups. The book is available at www.besttruecrime.com or you can pick it up at amazon.com or wherever good true crime books are sold. Now, I don't make any money off of this book because I believe it's more important for you to learn how to use these skills. All the proceeds from this book goes to a nonprofit organization. Pick up a copy of How to Recognize the Devil. It does include worksheets for you to better use these skills taught in this book. And please be safe out there. Thank you for joining me on this investigation, exploring true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. This is Best True Crime Podcast, 
No chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. I do hope you will subscribe. This podcast runs off donations only. You can drop us a donation, $35 or more, and I'll send you a signed book. Just go to www.besttruecrime.com. My name is Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Thank you for joining me on Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Be safe out there.